Good morning. Bless you. Welcome. Glad to be here with you. Glad to have some special guests today. The Borsmas from New Day, South Carolina. Look at that. The Gerbs, Sarah and Seth from sunny California and Austin. Where's Austin at? Here he is right behind. So, so this is Christmas, all right? It's white. <laughs> it's snowy and it's cold. So up in Michigan, we know how to do Christmas. We, I love Michigan because you know what season it is. <laughs> when it's summer, it's hot. When it's winter, it's cold. When it's fall, it's colorful. When it's spring, it's full of life. So anyway, uh, <clears throat> glad to have you guys back uh, 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 for uh, the holidays. Great to see you all, as well as everyone. Hey, there you go from uh, Mozambique. Just, uh, yeah, all right, there you really came a long way. <laughs> so, <clears throat> um, and just, just an encouragement uh, that um, for the Bless the Neighbor, Bless the Nation Challenge, uh, year-end giving, uh, both for the congregation. We don't do a big promotion at the end of the year uh, for year-end giving, um, but, uh, you know, uh, to make the books balance, we need money to come in, and uh, we pray that you'd be faithful in your giving. There's just this Sunday and next Sunday left for the year, and then often the people have extra that they like to give, and so we just want to give you that opportunity to, uh, for the outreach that's coming up to bless our neighbors with the groceries, but also to, uh, to build two training centers, one in Kenya, one in Mexico. And then Mark and I are going the work, the, to Mexico the first week of March to do a training school, a five-day training school with this ministry that's building this. And so we want to take the 30 grand with us probably not in cash <laughs> if if we get more if we get more in this fundraiser you want to know what i want to do with that okay there's this couple that's been ministering for almost 20 years in this in this town in india john and do you guys know him John and what's her name? Elizabeth, I think, or something like that. It's a girl's name. <laughs> Sarah, John and Sarah. And they don't have hardly anybody supporting them because they don't come back and do fundraising. I wanted to make it $40,000 and give them $10,000. Uh, so anyway, but my consultant said, no, don't, don't spread it out too much. <laughs> so we're going to focus. If you want to, if we get more than $36,000, we get $46,000. I'm going to give John, uh, what they do is what they, they serve, they minister. You got me on a sidetrack. I've never given a sermon. This couple have spent almost 20 years in India. And what they do is they go into the slums and they teach the children how to read. Okay, and the reason that's so important is that these children are in a cycle of poverty. They're never taught how to read. No government agency, nobody does anything for these kids. And as soon as they get old enough, they work as basically slaves or go into the sex trade. And they teach uh, preschoolers in, in kindergarten. They run it. And they, the reason they're allowed to do it is because they go into the poorest neighborhoods and they sit and they're the sweetest couple. And I'm telling you, I, I guarantee you they've probably never been given ten or $15,000. And I'd like, I'd like to just, uh, I went, I told, uh, a few weeks, uh, uh, two years ago I saw him, I said, 
I said, yeah, I want to come to India. He said, oh, you should come to India. I said, he said, we'll do a conference. I said, I don't, don't worry about a conference. I'll just, we'll just bring a team and minister to you. We'll just minister to you and your wife and your kids. You know what they start, did? They both started crying. They, they both were crying. He just wants to come and minister to us. Because everybody wants to go and do a conference. I don't care about a conference. They're doing the stuff, right? If I'm going to come for a few days, let's bless them and they can... Well, okay, now I'm going on. All right. First, we got to build a training center in Mexico for 36 and, and give our neighbors. So get the 36 and then let's go another 10,000 and we'll... Then I'll go to India. <laughs> you can come with me. No, all right. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Christmas joy. I'm sorry. Now I'm spitting. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're going to get into the word this morning. Are you ready? Glory to God. <laughs> I got to preach like a preacher because Amy, Amy really likes when I preach. <laughs> I was down in South Carolina. You know, Scott and Stephanie, they're good teachers. And they're just such good teaching. And But sometimes I preach. I don't really preach, but compared to Scott, I can. Praise God. Hallelujah. Bring it on! <laughs> Christmas joy, it's Christmas time! Yeah. Christmas means different things to... Di <laughs> Christmas means different things to different people. We're just taking a few weeks to talk about Christmas. What did you think about Anthony's word last week? Was that good? Who, what child is this? What child is this? I thought it was fantastic. <clears throat> and obviously Christmas is a good time to get together and have family reunions. When I was growing up, it was a time for great food. My... Uh, a family would gather together, my aunts and my grandmother uh, and my mom's side of the family especially would just have this feast, you know, endless food of all kinds of amazing German food stuff. Uh, <clears throat> it's time of giving gifts. How many like giving and giving? Giving and giving. How many like giving gifts? How many like getting gifts? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <clears throat> uh, for sometimes it's a hard time for a lot of people. It's difficult because we're grieving someone who's not here this year, you know, or maybe hasn't been here for, for many years. And it reminds us of, uh, you know, people that aren't with us, or maybe, maybe they're still alive, but they're just not around. Or, or maybe, you know what, maybe they've never been around because we've never really uh, gotten to a place where we thought we would be by this time in life. And so, you know, it's okay if you're going through a hard time at Christmas. A lot of people do, and a lot of people think that they're the only one, but actually it's, it's, it's a difficult time and it's okay to struggle with that. That means, you know, you're connecting with something that's real. For a lot of people, it's just another holiday. They don't even know. It's just, a, a, if, you're, uh, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know the real meaning, it's just, just in the cycle of, you know, you get a few days off, you have a few parties. But for Christians, it really should be, you know, one of the days, uh, one of the holidays that we really make uh, uh, special because it's a celebration <clears throat> of the greatest gift of all time birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, that's why we give gifts, because God the Father gave the greatest gift of all. And so today we're going to look <clears throat> at part of the Christmas story that's a bit more obscure. It's not one of the main parts. It's only, I think, in the one in Luke. Um, and uh, learn, extract from this portion of the Christmas story a few lessons that apply uh, to us today, and how these two people 
uh, particularly responded to uh, the, the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. We're just going to read through and actually uh, go uh, through the passage of Luke chapter 2, 21 through 38. So uh, 21 starts out, uh, this was now after Jesus was born, so it was after the announcement when the angel Gabriel showed up and told Mary about the birth, and you know, she went to, her, uh, to Elizabeth, and she was uh, pregnant with John, and you know, the baby was in, uh, you know, they went to Bethlehem, and all that happened, and this was after all of that, was, in fact, eight days after the birth. According to the Jewish law, uh, the baby was circumcised and then presented to the priest in the temple. So when eight days were completed, that the circumcision of, of the child, his name, that's when they would name the child, his name was called Jesus, which was the name given by the angel before he was even conceived in the womb. <clears throat> and Jesus, you know, we call Jesus Jesus, but we should know the meaning of that name. Names in scripture especially uh, carry significance and Jesus means Jehovah our salvation. And so Christmas is about salvation. Right? It's about our redemption. <clears throat> it's about being made whole. Jesus, because that's what Jesus' name meant. That God, Jehovah, Yahweh, is our salvation. And some Christians don't know this, but Jesus was actually the same name in Hebrew as Joshua, Remember Joshua in the Old Testament? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, both of them, they actually had the same name. We pronounce it differently uh, in English to keep it straight. <laughs> but in the Hebrew language, it's Yeshua. All right. And so, um, and Joshua in the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with it, he was the successor of Moses. So Moses, who, uh, remember the story, if you don't remember the story, watch the movie. <laughs> All right, uh, the Israelites were taking were had gone to Egypt because of a famine. They end up moving down there. Then, then they become slaves. They'd been there for four hundred years. Four hundred years. You know what? It was four hundred years between Malachi and Matthew. Just saying. <laughs> Just thought of that right now. They'd been there for four hundred years, <clears throat> waiting in captivity, crying out. And God sent Moses uh, to lead them out of, right, and all the plagues. And, and Moses leads them out uh, of captivity from Israel across the Red Sea, away from Pharaoh. And then they wandered in the wilderness because they were stubborn for 40 years. And, and Moses was faithful to lead God's people, even though they often complained. And then they get right up to the border of the Promised Land. How many remember this part of the story, right? Yeah. <clears throat> they're at the border, they're about to go, everybody that had complained had died, and they're kids, and they're about to go in, except Moses was alive, and Caleb and Joshua. Um, and God says, Moses, go up on the mountain, you can look into the promised land, but I'm not letting you in. How many of you read that and go, God? Jeez, really? <laughs> I'm telling you, and this is like on a technicality, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know why Moses couldn't go into the promised land? Because God said they were, they were in this part of the desert and there was no water. Everybody was complaining they're going to die. <clears throat> and Moses was just sick and tired of these people complaining. And God said, uh, speak to the rock, this big rock, and water will come out. But Moses was upset, right? He walked up to the rock and he took a stick and hit the rock. And water came out. 
And God says, you can't come into the promised land because you hit the rock instead of spoke, speaking to it. <laughs> if you were Moses, don't you think you'd get a little upset? Yeah. I would just, what? I, I, the water came out. <laughs> I know, but I told you to speak to it, and you hit the rock with the stick. It was the stick you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> he died on the mountain. He didn't go in. You know why? Because someone else had to take him in. Moses could not take the people into the promised land. Moses brought the law. The law is not able to take someone into the promise. All right? I know. There's an incredible prophetic picture there that Moses can only get you to the border. Uh, truth, the law of God, the requirements of God can get you to the place where you see the promised land, but it cannot get you in. You need Jehovah, your salvation, to bring you into the promised land. You need Joshua. You need Jesus, right? Glory to God! (laughs) So Jesus fulfills this prophetic image. (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, there was an old missionary guy that we love around here. He's gone to be with the Lord. But his name was Walt Berger, and he'd give the, the glory to God kick every now and then. So that's what I'm doing. So uh, Moses, uh, Jesus is the real successor. He's the real Yeshua. He's Joshua that brings God's people into the promised land. He's the true successor of Moses. Uh, Moses brings us the law, but Jesus brings us grace and truth, right? So continuing on. Um, Luke chapter 2, 22, it says, Now when the days of her purification, back to the story of Mary and Joseph, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So this was the first child they had to give a special offering. Uh, I talked about first fruits offering a few weeks ago. And every uh, firstborn male child was actually holy and given to the Lord. Now, God didn't actually want all those kids around the temple, and so he had an offering in their place, and there's uh, a lot of symbolism in that. <clears throat> and the offering they were supposed to give was a lamb, but if they couldn't afford it, the law provided that uh, uh, they could sacrifice a pair of turtle loves or two young pigeons. And so <clears throat> that's what they did. And from this commentary, we get a little bit of a detail because a lot of the Jewish traditions and uh, practices were very written out and prescribed. And so we know pretty much what this looked like. And so I'm just going to read this from an university commentary. It says, Jesus' parents fulfilled the law of Moses properly and piously. The particular sacrifice they offer indicated that they were poor because they, they brought just the two turtle doves and not the lamb. And following the custom, Mary would lay hands on the pigeons and then the priest would take them to the southwest corner of the altar wringing one bird's neck to kill it and offer as a sin offering and the other offering as a whole bird offering. So it was just the tradition. They were going about uh, the duties of their religion, being faithful uh, to the law, simply trying to do what was uh, being required. Uh, Yet uh, the story of Christ's birth continued to amaze them because they didn't realize what was going to happen. Just like everything about Jesus' birth wasn't normal, right? It was supernatural. And, uh, and so when they go to just fulfill the duties of the law to be good Jewish people, this is what happens. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. So this is the first uh, person that we're going to see how he responded 
to the Christmas, the very first Christmas, and this uh, man was uh, just and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So three words describe this man. It's the only time he's mentioned in Scripture is in this passage. He was just. That meant he dealt properly with people. He behaved well. He treated people fairly. He was, he, he was a just person. He didn't take advantage of people. He was a good person. He was a generous person. He was devout. <clears throat> that meant he had right relationship with God. He, was, he worshiped God. He lived in a way that, uh, that reflected the character of God to those around him. He was a devout man. He served God with his whole heart. He was a just man. He served other people. He treated other people right. And the third word, very important here, he was waiting. He was waiting. Uh, Simeon was a common name, but this man was uncommon <clears throat> because the Bible chooses to describe him and include him in this, this miraculous story. You know, there's, there's a lot of parts to the story of Jesus' birth, the supernatural uh, you know, uh, 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 conception, the angel appearing, but this is just as important. This is an old guy that was living right and waiting uh, expectantly. One translation translates it eagerly waiting for the consolation or the redemption or the Messiah. That was a term, that was a title that was commonly used for the Messiah. He was eagerly waiting. He was anxious, all right? He was ready. In fact, his name means hearkening or, or listening, being attentive. That's what his name meant. And, so, and he lived the meaning of his name that he was attentive. He was like, is it today? Is it today? Is, he was waiting. <clears throat> and I think that uh, this character, being just, being devout, and being uh, uh, ready and looking, positioned Simeon to be ready to encounter Jesus Christ. All right? And I think he's a great example. The reason we read Scripture right, is, is, is to serve as an example, to teach us how to live. We need to be just. We need to treat other people right. We need to behave. We need to uh, uh, be honest and be respectable and, and uh, you know, be just to other people. We need to be devout. We need to be seeking after God, pursuing the things of God. But we also need to be ready and looking for Christ. Right? Simeon was just going about his day-to-day -day life. Right? And Jesus appeared in the midst of it. And I think that we need to be doing the same thing. We need to be, are you looking, are you ready uh, for Christ to appear? I thought I had another line there. Uh, maybe it's coming up. <laughs> uh, are you uh, ready to see Jesus show up in your life? We need to be ready. All right. Now, I believe that we need to be ready for Christ when he comes in a second return. Right? But we need to be ready for Jesus to show up in the midst of our life. All right? Uh, <clears throat> it says that it had been revealed. To, not, I don't know if I skipped something. I'm still thinking about India. <laughs> India. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm going to just go on with this uh, line of thought here. Uh, uh, he was waiting for the Messiah, and we need to be waiting for the Messiah. We need to be ready for Christ to appear. I had a conversation with someone just a few days ago, and uh, <clears throat> they were struggling with the idea of, of living without sin. 
And, you know, is it possible to live without sin? And, um, and I was like, well, is it possible to go one minute without sin? Can you live one minute without sinning? How many can think they can live one minute without sinning? Okay, you just live minute by minute. Just take it one minute at a time. Don't worry about the rest of your life. Theoretically, can you live the rest of your life without sin? Well, don't worry about that. Just worry about the next minute. All right? And if you do that consistently, pretty soon you're going to go hours or days or weeks or months or possibly years. And because our hope for overcoming sin is not the second coming. Do you realize that? Our hope for freedom from sin is Jesus' death on the cross, which he already accomplished. And sometimes everybody's like waiting for the second coming, like that's going to save us from sin. No! Saving us from sin already happened. Yeah. All right? Now we are to be looking for Christ's return because then that's the end of death, the end of suffering, the end of injustice, the end of you know, persecution and, and, and all of that. And God will bring an end to this corrupt world system. But the freedom and deliverance from sin happened when Jesus died on the cross. All right? Uh, and so what are you eagerly awaiting for? Are you eagerly awaiting to see, to encounter Christ today so that you can be free? Yeah, yeah. Should we be looking for Christ's return? Yeah, sure, of course. We're awaiting Christ's return and, and resurrection. But we want to see Christ like uh, Simeon did uh, in his life. It says it had been revealed. I'm going to take a sidebar here, this next uh, verse. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. All right, <clears throat> so we're going to take a sidebar. You know what a sidebar is? Yeah. When you're reading a textbook or a magazine article, and they'll have a little sidebar, and they go into detail about something in the article, greater detail. Well, this is a sidebar of the sermon, because in Scripture, in verse 26 here, it says that Simeon heard God <clears throat> that he would not die until he saw the Lord's death. This is an example in the Bible, God's holy word, of an extra-biblical revelation. I'm doing this because some people would throw things at me if I said the word extra-biblical revelation. <laughs> this means that Simeon heard God say something that wasn't written in the Bible. And it was really God because the Bible says it was God. Because the Bible says it was God. And this has to do with hearing God's voice for us today. And how can, you know, well, God's, it's God's word, you know, and we don't need nothing but the God's word. I'm like, amen. And in God's word, it says you will hear his voice. And it actually gives examples of people hearing God's voice for their personal life. All right. Now, whatever you hear from God has to be submitted to the objective outside of yourself, word of God. All right. But I'll, I'll guarantee you, there is no place in the Bible where it says, and yea, there will be a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem, who will not die until he see the, the birth of the Messiah. doesn't say that in Scripture. But in Scripture, it says God said that. All right, so this is a really important example of being able to hear God's voice, and it's biblical to hear God's voice, and it was something for him. It just applied to him. <laughs> it's great. Uh, it's a proof text for hearing God's voice. All right, so, and the promise was... 
Good. <laughs> uh, the promise was that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And this one commentator, he's from a while back, says, uh, sweet antithesis, or what a contrast, what a beautiful contrast. How would the one sight gild the gloom of the other? And to gild means to cover with gold. Yeah, it's a poetic uh, uh, response to this idea that he was promised he wouldn't see death until he saw the salvation, saw the promise. He would not see the darkness of death until he saw the light of hope. All right, and uh, what, a, what a promise that he had. And then Simeon actually says now he can depart in peace. Why? Because seeing the salvation, Christ our salvation, uh, was a, gave him the ability to have peace in the face of death. For Simeon and for us, seeing Christ should change the way we see death. All right, no longer is it gloomy. Now it's like, ah, and yeah, there's peace there. And Paul says, you know, it's better for me if I die. You know, uh, that's not because, and Jesus said, you know, if you believe in him, you're not really going to die. Right. You just go to sleep for a while and come back. Cause why? Because you've seen Christ. We've beheld the salvation, our salvation. And what is that? It's not an idea. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. What a promise Simeon had. So he came, Simeon <clears throat> came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, uh, he took Jesus, he took him up in his arms, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. I think it's interesting, <clears throat> amen, that uh, in the fulfillment of his personal prophetic word, I mean, you know, we don't know why Simeon knew or how Simeon knew this was it. Uh, Simeon was a priest. He probably did baby dedications on a, on a daily basis in Jerusalem. How many babies came in and had parents, uh, uh, you know, presented a baby? But this one was different. He knew by the Holy Spirit revealed to him this was the Christ. His parents didn't even realize, but he knew. All right, and uh, and in response to that fulfillment, ah, oh, now I've seen. He then prophesies or speaks prophetically over Jesus and over his parents here. So what he says is, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, we don't know how long Simeon had been waiting for this word. He may have received the word a few years before. He may have received the word when he was 20. Right? You get a word from God, chances are it doesn't have a date on it. And if it does have a date, the date's probably, you know, metaphor it's a, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know if it says immediately that means in the next you know 10 to 20 years <laughs> immediate for god is not tomorrow you know it's not before lunch <clears throat> uh we don't know all we know that he'd been waiting and he was eagerly waiting he held on to that and he believed for it. And he, but the, th the truth of his character was that through, while he was waiting, he was just. And he was devout. And he was just going to wait it out. Right? 
And because of that character, God fulfilled it. It wasn't good enough for Simeon to just know the truth that God would someday save Israel. I mean, all the Israelites knew that. He knew that truth objectively. But he was eagerly waiting. He had an expectation in him that he would see Jesus. He would encounter Jesus personally. He would see it with his own eyes. And I think that is a lesson for us as well. As believers, and listen, both for yourself, but also as you communicate the message of the gospel, salvation is not agreeing to principles or truths. Okay? It's encounter. Just like it wasn't good enough for Simeon just to know that, yes, someday uh, the Messiah will come. I believe that. He needed to believe that. That's absolutely necessary. I'm not saying that's not necessary. It's absolutely necessary to believe the right beliefs. But believing the right beliefs or knowing the right truths just positions you like a position Simeon for the encounter of having Jesus show up in your life. All right? And so it's good to know the ideas. It's great to have the proper beliefs, but it's the encounter with the reality of the person of Jesus Christ that transforms a person's life. Transform, transforms a person's future, right? It changed Simeon. Uh, it was able to change and give him peace in the face of death. It can give us peace in the face of whatever we're uh, facing. Simeon's word contained two prophetic promises concerning Christ. One is that, he was, that Christ was going to be a light to the Gentiles, and I could have picked uh, so many different uh, verses in the Old Testament that prophesied to this aspect of the Messiah coming, Jesus coming, to bring the message from the Jewish nation to the world. Uh, we're just going to read one. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wanted to read them all. And I'm like, oh, that would be, you know, several weeks of messages. So we're just going to nail this one. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says that the people who walked in darkness, and when, when, when Simeon said the word that he's, this child is going to be a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, he was thinking of this verse in Isaiah, or some of the other verses in the Old Testament that talk about the Messiah being light to the, the Gentiles. It says, the people who walked in darkness, prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, uh, have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Uh, and jumping down to verse 6, for unto us, is a familiar Christmas verse, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this prophetic word spoken by the prophet Isaiah, uh, 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 you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, about 600 years earlier, uh, was talking about this baby that was in Simeon's arms. And he's like, this is it. This is the light to the Gentiles. <clears throat> the same, and this is what gets me, is that here, what Simeon, this devout Jewish priest, was saying, was that what he experienced, the devout Jew, and lived his whole life believing and expecting it, that uh, what he experienced is now promised to the Gentiles. All right? Remember, what was he promised? That he wouldn't see death until he saw, until the light entered his eyes, the Messiah. 
And then he prophesies, this is the light that's going to go to all the people living in darkness, that they're going to see, they're going to see the revelation uh, uh, of the Christ, the light, the revelation of the light, that through this child, the promises that uh, were to the Jewish people, even to the priests, to the devout, now go to every man, woman, and child, and no matter how dark the darkness is, that promise can shine in there. And so, and the word revelation, you know, um, speaks to that that goes beyond the natural vision, okay? That it's a, a they're, they're going to be able to understand, not just see the knowledge, the idea about Jesus, but they're going to be able to encounter Jesus Christ in the same way that Simeon was able to encounter Jesus Christ that would transform the way that he looked at death and give him peace and give him hope. Uh, trans, uh, revelation is the transformation of our thoughts uh, in response to an encounter. We encounter Jesus, and it brings a revelation which changes the way we think, which then transforms the way we behave. We become different people because we've encountered God, and that encounter changes the way that we think, changes the way, it changes our identity, and that change of identity then changes our behavior. A lot of Christians get this backwards. They think that the Bible demands a change of behavior, and that if you start behaving right, and you stop doing the wrong things, start doing the right things, that eventually you encounter God. But it's actually the other way around. Okay? The gospel is, Jesus shows up in the midst of darkness, right? and that encounter causes people to go, wow, I get it, I see. And because they see and they see Jesus, because he's that way, I want to be that way. Uh, I want to I live different and change our behavior. Through Jesus, this revelation is now available to everyone. Heaven is open for anyone that's willing to look. All right? Are you looking? Are you looking? Are we looking? Are we like Simeon, eagerly waiting? Or are we distracted with the things of life? You know, most people in Israel, when Jesus lived, they didn't see Jesus. Some of them did, but a lot of them didn't. I mean, they saw Jesus, right? With their natural eyes, maybe. Maybe they even went out and listened to him. Yeah, he's kind of good. But you know, he says some stuff, I, I can't handle that. I'm going to walk away. And eventually they crucified him, right? Some of the people saw Jesus, they got mad, threw things at him. Right? So we got to ask ourselves, are you, are, you, are you like Simeon? Are you eagerly waiting? And are you ready to respond in a way that you get the revelation, you know? And then are you being the light to the world? Second promise was uh, he was not only a light to the Gentiles, but he's also the glory of the people of Israel, God's people. And glory is God's weighty presence. It's actually the word kabod, means weightiness. And it's also the fulfillment. It's like everything that God's uh, purposed was, was just resting on this person, Jesus, this little baby. He could see it in the baby. Jesus... In Jesus, all of the glory that was promised to the nation of Israel was fulfilled. Okay? All of the glory. Uh, Jesus literally is the embodiment of all of the promises throughout the whole Old Testament. Okay? Embodied in a body. In Christ, all God's promises are yes and amen. That's another verse in the Bible. Everything that God's promise is actually 
encapsulized in physical form in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how important Christmas is. That's how important this, this interaction, this encounter with Jesus is. And through Jesus, God took all of those promises to the nation of Israel and then through Jesus channels them to the whole world. All right? To, every, to the Gentiles. And Simeon got it. He understood. All right? He understood. And we're all the result, unless you're a Jew here, uh, we're all a result uh, of this promise being fulfilled. Thank God. You know, we love Jewish people, and, and the salvation is for them equally as much. Jesus was, is their Lord, but he's our Lord because he's the Lord of all mankind, uh, regardless of our ethnicity. That is the message of Christmas, that the, all of the promises of all of the Scripture are for all of God's people that accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, that see him for who he really is. Uh, and the parents, of course, were amazed <laughs> uh, at what was being, you know, everything kept surprising them. Uh, they were amazed at what was being said about, about Jesus. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. Oh, wait a minute. I thought this was a good message. But he will be a joy to many others and uh, has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. So it's like, whoa, this prophet's got a cutting edge. <clears throat> and the truth is, encountering Jesus uh, does come at a cost, and this piercing sword imagery, of course, can speak of conviction. And when we encounter Christ, uh, there's the sword of conviction. It can speak of uh, Mary, uh, who would uh, just uh, a few years later see her baby boy grow up to be a young man and then hang on a cross and be pierced in his side uh, for our sins. So it's foreshadowing that, the pain of that. But it's primarily, I think, uh, this idea that it's gonna, he's going to call many to fall, but he's going to call some to joy, all right? And who, uh, you know, what decides whether a person falls because of Jesus or experiences joy because of Jesus? What determines that? It's your response. You determine that. Do you receive him for who he is? Are you looking for salvation, right? Or do you want to cling to your old way? Are you ready to realize that uh, you can't, uh, save yourself that you actually need a savior right? and that's, that's, that's a hard thing to let go and realize I need Jesus and see Jesus for who he is because once you see Jesus as your, your hope for salvation and you dedicate yourself to him you receive him for who he is then it, he becomes your joy all right and if you reject him for who he is then he will become your destruction all right that's what hinges. What hinges, it's your choice. The light is shining. Walk into the light. All right? Jesus has done it. He's waiting. He wants you to come in. <clears throat> and we need to receive him for who he is. And the last uh, section of the scripture talks about the second person. This is verse 36, talking about Anna, the prophet. And uh, <clears throat> a little side note, prophet means someone who speaks the word of God. And she was a woman, just saying. 
<laughs> Here we have in the Old Covenant uh, 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 a woman prophet, and she was in the temple. Uh, she was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Uh, her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Hmm. And she lived as a widow to the age of 84 in biblical times. Jesus' time, 84, was very, very old. It's not very old now. <laughs> you know, it's funny how the older you get, the older old gets. <laughs> it's 84. It's going strong at 84, right? <laughs> but in Jesus' time, the average, if I remember correctly, I think the average age was about 40. Uh, uh, and so on our day, it's 75. People born today, you know, average age probably would be more like 80. She was 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. <clears throat> she came along just as Simeon was ta talking to Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. I love this portrayal of this woman. You know, when she got married, <clears throat> uh, I, I don't think she expected this to be her future. You know? She didn't expect her husband to only live seven years and then to be widowed for the rest of her life. Right? She probably expected to, 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 to have a family and to, 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 to have a normal life. Uh, <clears throat> and it's the same thing with us today. We don't, you know, some, we, we enter into life with certain expectations. And we think, well, this is, you know, I'll get married, we'll have kids, kids will grow up. You know, and this will be that and everything. And sometimes life doesn't meet our expectations. And it certainly didn't for Anna, did it? But in the midst of it, you know, she could have turned out to be a very bitter woman. Her husband died when they had only been married seven years. As far as we know, she had no children. But she, instead of becoming bitter and reclusive and mean and angry, what did she do? She worshipped. Day and night, prayer and fasting. So, so when everybody went to the temple, and it was a normal thing uh, for people to go to the temple, there was always this old woman there. What's the deal with Anna? That's all she does. I, I don't think I've ever seen her eat. Well, she fasts a lot. <laughs> right? She was devout. She turned what other people would uh, allow to cause bitterness and anguish and grief she turned that into an opportunity to be sold out for Jesus. And she was waiting for the Messiah, just like Simeon. All right? And she was worshiping. And when she saw Jesus, she burst into praise. She just started worshiping, worshiping Jesus. And then she did something really unique here. She went and told everybody. One, one commentator says that the way this is worded in the original language it's almost as if she went door to door. Like in some, some accounts, is that she, like she just went, every, she went to everybody in Jerusalem that was waiting for the Messiah. Okay, get this. Oh, it's Anna. What are you doing out of the temple? What are you doing? What got her out of the temple? She'd been waiting, she'd been worshiping, she'd been fasting, and she'd been praying, and then she encountered Jesus. And that changed her. Now she was not just a prophet, she was an evangelist. 
And she went throughout the whole city talking to everybody that was, would listen that, about this child, about Jesus Christ. And so we can learn from her, uh, her example uh, to go and talk, to go and tell, to break forth in the worship, certainly, but then to talk. So we learn from Simeon's example to be devout, to be just, treat people right, just, to be devout, seek after God, God with your whole heart, to live a godly life, and to eagerly await, okay, and, and, and to look for that encounter, uh, and to be transformed by that encounter. And then we can learn from Anna. Uh, only time she's mentioned in the whole of Scripture was her response to the birth of Christ. When she saw Jesus, she worshiped. And then she told people, which I think is the best form of worship. It's great to sing songs about Jesus. That's good. It builds you up. But man, when you tell somebody about Jesus, you can change a life. You can change the world. I think Jesus is worshipped more when we communicate who he is to someone who doesn't know who he is. Far more than singing a pretty song. Okay? All right? People are out, that's a form of worship, is to communicate Jesus. Uh, and this is a great opportunity. I was talking to someone after first service um, that they were in a store and they heard a Christmas carol, you know, one of the songs, and it was like, oh my goodness, the gospel is being declared. I was in Japan a few years ago and they play, uh, they play Western music, American music. And because it was Christmas time, they play Christmas music. So in Japan, I'm standing in a store, and over the PA is, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. I'm like, the gospel's being declared. I'm like, wow, this is a great opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity to share, to be an Anna, to share and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Don't miss the opportunity to be like Simeon, to see the light and to be transformed by it, because that's what Christmas is all about.